You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics, covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Catherine Kambau. Welcome to another episode of No Hacks Marketing, and I'm super pumped because it's the first time that we have a guest. With me here today is Kelsey Jones, Editor-in-Chief at Neil Patel Digital. She has been a featured speaker at State of Search, SEJ Summit, SMX East, and PubCon, to name a few. And today's episode is about how to run a content audit analysis and how to use this data to guide your content marketing strategy. At the end of this podcast, you should be able to, one, run your own content audit and know which tools to use, identify gaps, and finally, take away actionable steps to help you prepare content that your audience wants. Just a little trivia, Kelsey was the former executive editor at Search Engine Journal, where we worked for a few years together with Salvador, and I was one of her editorial assistants. It was a great learning experience for me working with her and managing a ton of SEJ contributors, pumping out content daily. And she has always been so kind enough to support my interview request. This is, I think, the third time that I requested to her to answer an interview. So hi, Kelsey. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you and what's keeping you busy? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I always like talking with you. You always ask such good questions and I remember the old days when we worked together. So I've been doing well. You know, I'm really glad it's not winter here anymore. The spring always is helpful. And I got vaccinated and a bunch of my friends have been vaccinated COVID as well. So yeah, so it's been good. Things are looking up. How have you been managing work and family life in this new post-COVID environment? Oh, it has been just a wild ride. So for a few months, uh, there was no daycare for my son, mm-hmm. um, he's almost three and luckily he still naps. So of course we'd both work during his nap and just make it work. And then here they finally reopened the daycares um, in the summer last year. So he has That's to wear good. a mask. Yeah, he has to wear a mask everywhere at his school except for in his classroom. So we've been really lucky that we've been able to do that and there haven't been any uh, cases at his school. So everybody's just been really, you know, dedicated at at keeping it safe for the kids. So that's been really, really helpful because I know not everybody has had that that luxury of being able to, you know, put their kid in a school. So we're just doing our best. (laughs) Yeah, it just take it day by day and, and doing our best. I think that's what everybody's doing. And for my team, you know, if something comes up, I just try to, you know, I'm just understanding because I've been there. So I think it's good to work with a team that understands, you know, things might come up and just got to roll with the punches. <laughs> I know, I know. It's the same thing. My kids are homeschooled for almost a year now. And it looks like wow. this coming school year, it's still going to be online school at home. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we talked about, you know, the, the struggles of working, especially I'm, I'm pretty sure you're very busy handling a huge blog like Neil's. So let's start with why do you need to do a content audit and how often should you be doing this? 
Yeah. So I am a big believer in content audit because it goes right alongside with SEO. I do think content marketers now really need to know SEO as well and vice versa. So the content audit works hand in hand with any SEO work you're doing on your site. So it's basically going to let you look at the content that's already on your site and see if you can identify any issues and content that you need to clean up. So when I joined Neil's agency and was put in charge of his blog, which gets the site as a whole, I think gets 20 million visits and the blog gets 10 million, something like that. He had almost 7,000 blog posts on the site. So we did an audit to see, you know, this blog has been going for five or six years. There's going to be posts that are outdated. Just have, yeah, outdated. Exactly. Have incorrect information. There was a bunch of posts about Google Plus, which as you know, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's a dinosaur. So things like that. Yeah, things like that is what has really, really necessitated a need for an audit in our case. Would you suggest like doing it how on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis? Because it's a huge work, I can imagine, especially for if a blog has been going on like that for, for that long. Yeah, I think it depends on how big your site is. So for mm -hmm. us, we're still doing work from issues I found right when I started in mm -hmm. the fall. <laughs> so six months ago, we still have issues coming up and we just started doing another report. So I would say quarterly is probably easier if you're smaller, but if you have a huge site, you know, six, every six months, if not at least once a year. And then one thing that is helpful, if that's not doable is to put milestones in place as you make changes. So for us, we know, okay, going forward, you know, we're not going to use this format anymore, or we're going to start looking for places where we can put schema in our content to get featured in the SERPs better. So one cool thing of the audit is it not only helps you find issues that you can fix with, with blog posts, but it also helps you set new standards for the new content you're creating going forward. Going forward, yep. Correct. And I think you mentioned there that you suggest or you highly recommend that content strategies or content workers right now should know SEO. So you think like that's a prerequisite? Oh, yeah, definitely. And especially your writers and editors, if they have knowledge of SEO, it's really helpful because, you know, search engines are smart enough to get what you mean in your content. Like you don't necessarily have to put a certain keyword five times in your content, you know, it's, it, it is more about writing for your actual users, but it is important to know the basics, you know, headers, the meta titles and descriptions, linking best practices, things like that, I think is, is really important and, and a, a very crucial part of content creation now. Right, right. I can imagine that that will solve any possible link problems in the future if the, the writer is not very knowledgeable about SEO. So what do you need to start doing before an audit? Should you review your keywords first or what's the step basically to start an audit? So there's so many great tools out there that kind of help you gather the information you need. And so mm -hmm. I, I think the process depend, is different for every site. But what we did is the first thing I did is um, I made sure that we were tracking the keywords that we want to track that are important to us in our search tools. So we use Ahrefs and SEMrush, uh, mm -hmm. SEMrush, however people say yeah. it, track keywords that we want to rank for. But then we also started doing a content gap analysis. 
So mm-hmm. that's something that Hrefs does. And I think Uber Suggest does it now to Neil's tool. So basically you put in your competitors in your site mm-hmm. and it shows you all the keywords that your competitors are ranking for that you're not. And so we kind of use that as a jumping board to start off with because that's going to give us some gaps in our content. So if there was a a keyword that our competitors were ranking for, but we weren't, but we had a blog post about it, then I know, okay, we need to optimize that blog post to start ranking for those keywords. The other, so that was kind of one arm of it. Another Mm -hmm. thing we started doing right away is looking for those outdated blog posts. So there's tons of things that are just going to depend on what your industry is. So for instance, one, one project we looked at is anything that had years in the title. So like 2017 social media tips, that obviously needs to be updated. Anything that has tools or practices that aren't, you know, best practice anymore, like Google Plus, like I mentioned, we redirected all of those to a post that was about alternatives to Google Plus. And then also more basic things as well. So are any of your blogs not working anymore? Like are there 404 errors where the blogs aren't aren't working correctly. That kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up. So you can run those types of reports in a SEO tool or a tool like Screaming Frog as well. And it'll show you uh, which of your blogs just aren't loading properly. And then also little things like blogs that are still getting traffic, but the images don't work anymore. You know, I, I've, yep, I've yep. had clients that just, the images just stop working. Yeah, like especially if you migrate your site to a different server or a different CMS, uh, sometimes that breaks all the images. So things like that also go are also part of a content audit. Right, right. So you mentioned three tools there, SEMrush, Ahrefs, Screaming Frog. That's the common tools that you use, right? For, yeah, and Uber, suggest and Uber Suggest has a competitor, yeah, content gap tool now too, so... That's really great. So with a content gap tool, you'll be able to see like the keywords that you're not using and then what your competitors are ranking for. And with that, you can think of ways on how you can write the content to um, rank for that keyword. Exactly. Or look at your old content that is talking about that, but you're just mm-hmm. not ranking for it mm-hmm. and see if you need to update or, or improve that Add content. more information. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Another really cool tool that's free, at least when I used it a couple months ago, is this, uh, the content marketing agency Animals, and that's Animals with a Z I've at the end. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have this really cool tool. I think it's called the Content Decay tool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you Google, you know, Animals Content Decay, it should come up. But what it does, it's free. You connect it to your Google Search Console, and it shows you a list of blog posts that had really good traffic, and then all of a sudden, it, they dropped off. So let's say, you know, for six months, you had really good traffic on a blog post, and then all of a sudden you had nothing. That's also opportunities for you to look at, well, why doesn't this post get traffic anymore? Do we need to update it? Is it no longer useful to our users? So that's another really cool tool that I've used a lot that is free. What about keyword cannibalization? That is that something that comes out of the audit as well? Like your focus, your you have focused keywords on a couple of blog posts. That that poses yes. an issue, right? Yes, really good, really uh, really good point bringing that up. So that was another thing we looked at. So Hrefs has a blog post, and Kath, I'll try to find this stuff for you and send it to you after we talk. 
but they have a free template you can use on their with in conjunction with their with their tool and it'll show you blog posts that are ranking for the same keyword. So that was another report that we pulled and this template that Ahrefs created will then pair the the post together and you can look at search volume and look at the two blog posts that rank for the same keyword and then you can decide okay do we need to combine these so put all all the useful information from one into the other and then redirect it to just that one. Um, mm-hmm. Do we just need to, you know, redirect it and not include any of the old information for one of them? Do we need to keep both and kind of change the scope? Like maybe one is more about costs and one is more about the actual actionable strategies and they're different enough to to change them. So yes, that's definitely another thing that's important to look at as well. Right. And for, for instance, you mentioned like some of the posts that were ranking before and now they lost traffic. I don't know, maybe because of a Google algorithm or for what reason, how do you usually fix those? Like how would you attack it so that it it generates the same traffic that it was getting? Uh, really good question. So I think we have a set of best practices for our posts going forward. So we make sure that the new, the content we're updating follows that. So useful images, links, anytime we do a revision, we have, we add links to that revision, internal linking, we make sure all the information's up to date. And then we also look at user intent. Another thing that is, is up and coming in the SEO world that's important for content marketers to look at is entity-based SEO. So this is just the idea that Google understands the history of a user searches based on what they've searched in the past. So if I've searched Paris, but I also searched Michael Jackson, well, Michael Jackson has a daughter named Paris. And so Mm -hmm. Google can then piece together, oh, I bet she means Paris Jackson, not Paris France. So that's important to think about when you're revising the content is like, what are related things that maybe somebody's already been searching for that would be useful to include in this article? And then you also want to make sure that the user is reading an article that matches their intent and is giving them the information they are looking for. So a good example is we have a post that we're working on that is about, it's like a big, huge post about digital marketing just in general. Mm -hmm. And it started off with a history. Like the first beginning was a history of digital marketing, which is really interesting. But somebody who is is searching what is digital marketing, they maybe don't want to know the history right away. So what we did is we moved the history lower in the article, and then we moved up an actual definition of what digital marketing is and what that includes within that that universe. So link building, paid search, um, SEO, content marketing, you know, a little explainer of that. We moved that up higher in the article because somebody who's searching, what is it? They want to know what it is. They don't want to know a history if they're not sure about what it is. So we try to think about, well, if somebody's searching, you know, these keywords or these questions that we're seeing in our um, search tool, our research tools, we want to match and give them the information as quickly as possible, you know, above the fold. So they don't have to hunt in the post to find it. Right. Right. You, what, what's that called? Entity based. Mm -hmm. Entity based search. And how does it it somehow reminds me of what's that called where there's like a card when you, you search for someone like a popular celebrity, there's a. a, Oh, the knowledge base. The knowledge base. Yep. Yep. How, How does that relate to the knowledge base? So I think 
Google and search engines are getting smarter and smarter at figuring out categories for things. And the schema helps with that too. So, I mean, schema is a whole thing that, you know, is probably a podcast on its own, but it basically is behind the scenes code that tells uh, search engines, this is about a person, Mm -hmm. or this is an FAQ section. This is a how-to list or recipe bloggers use it a lot. Like this block of content is a recipe. So it's basically behind the scenes code that helps search engines identify what a piece of content is. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you're more likely to get those cards in the search results or you're more likely to get in the featured snippets. So in Google search results, when you see those questions and you click and it gives answers right from the page, you don't have to leave Google. Using schema can help with that. You don't have to, to be featured, but that is something we've been trying to add as well whenever we're updating posts to to get more real estate in the SERPs and have our content be featured. Gotcha, gotcha. Just reminded me when we talked about that entity-based research. So just going back, you mentioned addressing, you know, keywords that where the traffic dropped off or identifying content gaps. How do you find like new other ways to think about content topics to write moving forward? Like how can you bring the, that blog to the next level from as a result of that content audit? Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of times, if we go back to the content gap analysis from our audit, it'll also show you topics that you haven't talked about before. So I think that that is another thing that's been really useful. We also, as part of our audit, so there are specific categories that we want to write about that we haven't written a lot about. So paid search and e-commerce in particular for Neil's site is something that hasn't been a lot of content about. So we did separate content gap analysis for that. And we, for the competitors, we listed blogs that are only specializing in that topic. So then it pulled more specific keywords for that topic. And we have used that to come up with ideas. We also have been looking at, you know, the world of digital marketing changes so fast. So I look at what are some things that are happening in digital marketing that we haven't talked about yet. Like the entity-based SEO and research, like I talked about is one. Another thing, you know, I saw a news article about how cookies that are used in your web browser, they're going to be going away in 2022. So we did an article about Unified 2.0, which is going to replace that. So just kind of for your industry, what are some things that are developing new that you haven't written about that you need to is something that we try to you know, stay ahead of and make sure that we're covering in our content. Right, right. We're nearing the end of the podcast. I guess, can you cite like an example of a recent audit that you did and that somehow had a huge impact with your content strategy moving forward? Yeah, so one thing that we haven't talked about that we just did is we pulled a list of all from Ahrefs, a list of our blogs that were in positions number two to 10 on the search on the SERPs, but weren't number one yet. So we have a really huge blog. So a lot of our keywords do already rank for number one, but basically we looked at what are our keywords that are in positions two to 10 and how can we update that content to be even better, to get even higher in the SERPs. Because if you're already on the first page, it's a lot easier to get higher in the first page than if you're on, you know, the fourth page of, of 
the search results to go to number one. That takes a lot longer. So that's something that we've looked at that's made a big impact is, you know, what are keywords that are almost there that if we improve the content and update it, we can get higher in the SERPs and thus get more traffic. Right, right. Okay, I guess one of my final questions I just need to ask, what's the most challenging part of running an enormous content site like Neil Patel's? I mean, it, it took a long time to get my process up and running because Neil was handling almost everything. And so I had to create a whole process like on Trello and set all these automations up. And that was a big challenge. I think another thing that comes with that is because we're so big, we're also under a lot of scrutiny. So, you know, we have a lot of checks in place to make sure that all the information that we're giving out is good information and is correct. So I think the bigger you are, the more you're under scrutiny for your industry to make sure that you are giving right information. So that's always a priority for us is that the information we're giving is correct and it helps people because at the end of the day, you know, we're helping small business owners and small marketing teams, you know, with their strategy. So we want to help businesses succeed. So I think it has been a challenge, just the pressure of making sure that all the information that we're giving is correct and helpful and useful is just a really big undertaking. And, and we've taken that really seriously. Thanks for um, sharing that. I, I can imagine how challenging it is. You have to be always up to date and stay ahead yeah. of the curve. Yeah. So what three practical action steps can you share to help our listeners get started with their audit? So I would say the first thing you can do, like even if you don't have any paid tools, is go on your Google Analytics and pull the data, you know, of your top 250 or 500 blog posts and sort by lowest traffic at the top and look how many blog posts, if they're getting, you know, less than 10 visits a month, do they need to be updated, redirected to something else? Do we need to rewrite them? That's a really easy thing you can do. If you do have those paid tools, you know, run a content gap analysis to see what are keywords that my competitors are ranking for that I'm not, that I either need to create content on or improve my existing content. And then also, uh, like we talked about, look at those content cannibalization, the keyword cannibalization issues and see are, do I have five blog posts about the same thing that I could just combine into one big blog, blog post? Because I know Search Engine Journal did that and their traffic, you know, doubled over, you know, the years after I left. So that makes a big impact as well, because if you have too many keywords on the same or too many blog posts about the same keyword, then Google doesn't know what to display in the search results. So it, it doesn't help you. It dilutes the chance of you getting a click from organic search. So those are three things I think probably make the biggest impact uh, for as part of doing a content audit. Yep. And I guess my biggest takeaway there is that you have to do a content audit, period. Some people yes. just write blog posts and then end there and just keep writing. And it, it it's not really a step that can be avoided it if it can be done at least once a year just do it i think that's my main takeaway there and there are um, free tools that can help you get started like what kelsey mentioned and finally i have to ask this because sabaran converted me into an office addict what's your most favorite the office episode oh my gosh how can <laughs> i pick one um one of my favorites is when they have that party and Kevin brings in a huge vat of chili and he and drops the chili <laughs> and it spills everywhere because 
you just think about how gross that would be. And we actually had a friend that did that in our front yard. And we had a barbecue at our first house, me and my husband, and he did that and spilled it all over our sidewalk and left it there. And we still call him (laughs) Kevin all the time because of that. So that will always have, you know, a special place in my heart. (laughs) Minus um, the dinner party one and then injury. injury is another and then the wedding of um, Jim and Pam. I'm still watching. Yes. I'm still in like season six. So I have to catch up and speed up my. There's so binge. many. There's so many good ones. It's hard to pick a, you know, a favorite. All right. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It was great having you on. If people want to know more, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm on, I, I usually, if anybody has questions, I answer on Twitter a lot. I'm wonderwall seven on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram, Wonderwall7, LinkedIn, I'm on there, but I don't I use LinkedIn a ton. So usually Twitter's the best bet. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. You've been a great, amazing first guest. That's a wrap, oh, everyone. Thank you. If you learned something today, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. That's it. Thank you and catch you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.